Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, guy, here's the deal. This podcast is sponsored by Manscaped. Manscaped is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming champions of the world. They offer precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. When I was a kid, I thought it was weird and it was embarrassing that I was doing maintenance down there. And in a long time, I felt like I had to hide the fact that things were getting a bit hairy. But now, I am glad I live in the world that Manscaped is widely being celebrated as a way for us to, us men to kind of get ourselves in check, be organized, and be our best self down there. So right now, Manscaped has just launched their fourth generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. So imagine shaving with a super sleek, well-designed, and optimized trimmer that makes shaving time your favorite time in the bathroom. I went for a trial run and it was refreshing. And your your spouse and partner can only be jumping with joy, knowing that you are taking care of yourself and in turn, taking care of your partner or spouse. What's cool about the trimmer, it has a 4000K LED light that you can turn on when in use to help you navigate down that jungle of yours and make sure that you're getting it in all in the right places and crevices. Additional guards so that you can get the perfect length from your trimmer. Some people, like myself, just like a little maintenance, all right, a little off the top. And others, probably Ray, uh, would probably go all the way down to the skin level, which is completely fine. It's whatever your preferences are. So there's different sizes for guard lengths that is available for the Lawnmower 4.0. So, guys, do yourself a favor. Stop trimming with the same trimmer that you use in your face as for your balls. Hygienically, disgusting. Ethically, I get it. <laughs> if it's something that you've been wanting to try, now's your chance to do it. You can get 20% off plus free shipping by using the code GDU at manscaped.com. Again, it's M A N. S-C-A-P-E-D dot com. Get 20% off and be a better you with the code G-D-U. Your balls will thank you. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Game Dev Unchained, the number one game development podcast about game development and the lifestyle thereof. I am your host, Brandon Pham, and with me, a special guest, Michael Hudson. How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good, thanks. Yeah, thanks for inviting us on the show. And it's, uh, yeah, it's great to be here, great to chat with you, and uh, hopefully have some useful insights anyway for everybody listening. Of course, I'm sure you will. <laughs> uh, so just to get things started, this is part of the podcast where I ask our guest, which is yourself, to introduce yourself to the audience and listeners out there, who you are, where you've been, where you're at, where you're heading. Yeah, sure, sure. So yeah, Mike Hudson, um, I'm CEO, co-founder of GameBake. And GameBake itself is a distribution uh, technology and platform for the games industry um, that's helping developers globally to really access stores um, outside of iOS and Google Play and take advantage of the platforms that exist out there um, to offer, I guess, much more cost-effective means to acquire users and scale their games to, uh, you know, the next millions, hundreds of millions of users that are out there in different markets globally. 
Um, so yeah, that's a bit little sort of overview on GameBake itself. And you know, for me personally, I've been in the industry now for over 15 years. I started when I was still at school when I was about 13 years old and taught myself uh, how to, I guess, develop games. Back then it was uh, Flash was all the rage <laughs> for web gaming. And uh, yeah, I taught myself, you know, how to code back then. Um, obviously the art, the animations, how the things and I'm sure the games look very crude now compared to how they was, but yeah, it's all self-taught and it was a, you know, a great learning curve to, I guess, finally find myself back into the industry and I guess really it's, yeah, all kind of developed out from there. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, what an interesting journey, man. Like um, you started kind of self-teaching, which I feel a lot of uh, industry vets, that started out that way are the most ambitious and motivated uh usually in times like the pandemic <laughs> where things are slow uh can you kind of kind of speak more of um you know you know 15 years ago wasn't too long and then schools started to pop up around that time um did you ever consider like a college route or, or at that point you were experienced enough where you didn't need to go 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 to further schooling yeah, I mean, yeah, I never went to, you know, college or, you know, university that we have here. And uh, I, I guess just for me, it, it's just not how I would learn, to be fair. Um, so for me, it just didn't really make sense. I, I knew if I, you know, went to college, um, it would be much more for the social side of things uh, rather than uh, the actual learning, I think. So I don't think I would have personally got too much out of it um, other than probably new friends and some funny stories. Um but yeah, you know, it's not for everybody. I know now um, it's, I guess, a lot more um, sort of, I guess, part of sort of the uh, curriculum, you know, globally, really, you know, game design, game development, programming, um, just the whole technology sector as a whole is, I guess, a lot more accessible um, to everybody these days as, you know, it was even 15 years ago. And, you know, beyond that, it was, uh, you know, definitely sort of non-existent. Um, but yeah, for, for me personally, you know, I've just found, I guess, that self-taught uh, method and that sort of journey just kind of, you know, fit for me much more naturally. And I guess that's really just a personal choice, you know, person by person and case by case. You know, some people like, I guess, uh, the way of learning in college. And if you do and that's your thing, then go for it. You know, there's definitely not a downside of learning. <laughs> there's always an upside to it. And uh, if that's the way that works best for you, then you should definitely consider it and, you know, jump into it. The, uh, the avenue that probably uh, kind of natural since you kind of started in flash into mobile, mm -hmm. uh, was that like your first uh, inclination was kind of the mobile market or were you kind of looking at other avenues like console or PC? Uh, to get into development? Yeah, I guess sort of the move into mobile for me was just a natural one um, from, you know, Flash web gaming. Um, you know, that was kind of the advent really and the launch of uh, the iPhone at the beginning um, and then obviously the App Store after that and, you know, Android and everything else that's followed. Um, so for me, you know, back then, um, Flash games, you know, that was kind of the big I guess the initial sort of big um, indie market in a sense, you could kind of say, um, and all of the big publishers, you know, you, you see now all kind of started out there. Um, King, for example, um, I guess it was famously one of the guys that, you know, I, I turned down um, doing a deal with uh, back in the day, back in the flash days, um, which in hindsight probably wasn't the best of decisions um, considering that the game I had back then was kind of the, their first foray into uh, the early mobile market. And, you know, we all know where that kind of led with Candy Crush and so on eventually. So yeah, maybe a bad call <laughs> back then. Um, but, you know, in, in hindsight, it kind of, it's helped propel me, I guess, to, you know, what I've done uh, in that time since, what I've learned over that time as well. And where, you know, we're positioned uh, myself and, you know, Game Baker's position right now. So, yeah, for me, it was just kind of a natural move. And, you know, I haven't really personally done too much on sort of consoles or even, you know, the PC market in general with Steam and stuff. Um, that's just not really just not been an area of interest. It's always been of interest for me. Um, it just hasn't really been, I guess, something 
I've had the ability to properly move into and, you know, dedicate the resources to, whereas, you know, the flash gaming, the browser market, I mean, the mobile market, it's just always has been that sort of bit lower barrier to entry, um, which is just allowed, I guess, for myself, um, me to sort of progress over the years um, and I guess keep doing what I know and what I uh, kind of excel in. So the mobile market obviously have transformed the gaming space ever since its inception, right? Um, ever since mm-hmm. the iPhone. And um, because of the Epic versus Apple thing in the last year, there's a lot more information, a lot more insight of how much Apple uh, in this instance is making from the game industry, right? $64 billion uh, versus mm-hmm. 50 last year or something the year before. So a huge increase because of the pandemic or, or some yeah. other reason, uh, which shows like, uh, a, a huge positive sign to mobile games not really slowing down but in, in fact increasing in revenue mm-hmm. um i would love to kind of hear your thoughts about that uh they basically apple and google probably far less but still significantly a lot of money um are making more money than all basically dedicated game companies are making combined right we're talking about tencent microsoft sony Nintendo. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty bizarre statistic. I would love to kind of hear your thoughts about yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is kind of weird that the, the biggest kind of, I guess you could say, game companies like aren't really game companies at all, um, which is a kind of weird, I guess, evolution of uh, the, the industry really in general. Um, but for me, I think uh, it was kind of a natural way for it to progress you know the the mobile market itself it you know it has to begin somewhere and you know it started with apple it developed further with uh, google and android and you know they've had a good decade or more now where they kind of owned the market um in a sense um but you know now you're starting to see i think sort of a new wave of i guess the industry and it's starting to kind of move into a more fragmented market which sounds a bit depressing but i think a much more democratized and open market in general, which you know is going to allow developers, I think provide much more choices for developers and consumers at the end of the day, um, but really sort of open things up where the strangleholds and that Apple and sort of Google have over the revenues that developers can earn, um, it's going to start to wear away a little bit and uh, start to be, you know, giving back that sort of position of power to the developers. And at the end of the day, you know, people that are actually creating the content um, because, you know, these stores are nothing without the developers and without the actual content um, being published onto these stores. And if, uh, you know, developers in general can get back a little bit of control, um, which, you know, we have seen recently with uh, with Apple and, you know, sort of the cases against them, um, the same thing with Google and so on as well, but also with the rise of uh, stores such as, you know, Huawei App Gallery and their devices um, and the way that other device manufacturers like uh, Samsung, Xiaomi, Oppo and others are moving um, right now and over the coming years. Um, you can definitely see, you know, that power, I think, coming back into developers where they have a choice um, where they want to publish their games um, and they have a a bit of power to negotiate as well that if a platform wants their game um, and their content on their store, then, you know, they need to, I guess, bend a little bit and give a little bit more money back to the developers and, you know, the guys that are doing the hard work at the end of the day. Overall, Apple have been ignoring for a long time, but right now they're coming around maybe because of the money revenue coming in and they're giving special attention to it. But like you said, content is king and that, um, it's come to a point that it's great to be a game developer. Obviously, there's a lot of choices now to put out content. There's easier ways to for people to have an idea and put it out there for, for mm-hmm. access, which is a great time to be uh, straight to the audience. Yes, there is a middleman, but like basically, if you work hard enough, you can get it out there to people uh, that would want to play it. Yeah. Um, so they're all always like little devices besides phone. I know you're, you're, you're specialized in mobile and I kind of think mobile, it's, it's a little different, right? Where there's high fidelity games, obviously there's more like, uh, there's more games that is more gameplay focused and not graphic heavy. Um, it, it, it's getting to a place where it kind of serves all purpose. <laughs> and, um, but it always has the same kind of, um, 
when it comes to like budgeting um, resources, not not money, but like in terms of just budgeting, you know, file size, right? Limitations uh, when it comes to downloading stuff. It has a special yeah. place for for like uh, these niche devices that are coming out. <clears throat> you know, VR is kind of close in relation to that. Oh, the Apple Watch was kind of making a blur, but not really going anywhere right now. But uh, anything mm-hmm. that is a new device, you know, we're seeing Facebook with their eyewear, right, is an yeah, opportunity yeah, for yeah. a lot of these same developers to kind of carry over uh, their their good practices to make it work, right? It's a lot easier transition than, let's say, a AAA developer going to, yeah. to the space, right? Uh, I would love to kind of hear your thoughts more on that. Like, yes, it's kind of um, greedy, to think like every 20 years is like a huge innovation, like the iPhone coming out. Right. I don't think the phone's going to go anywhere. Uh, but, uh, but the eyewear and all this stuff that you're seeing the VR, the AR, like what place does that have for like a mobile developer like you, um, or, or, or like the future of the industry can look like. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting one to be fair. Uh, I mean, I kind of see, you know, the eyewear and stuff to be kind of like peripherals um, to, you know, maybe sort of like mobile being that main gaming device still. Um, I mean, with the advent of, you know, the cloud gaming and so on at the moment, you kind of um, are seeing, I think, less and less of a move towards hardware in a sense, um, which is, you know, not becoming pointless, but over time will become, you know, less and less, I guess, required um, where, you know, everyone can now play top-end games at, at very least, if not, you know, soon sort of proper AAA titles um, on their mobiles uh, with something that's in their pocket. But, yeah, you know, I, I think the imagination and sort of the innovation that you get from developers um, is always surprising. Um, you know, it surprises me. It surprises, I think, everybody in the industry um, that, you know, people always find a way for a new device, um, you know, a new, I guess, um, piece of technology to be able to play games at the end of the day. And I think that's um, a bit of, I think, a tell of just kind of human nature. And that's, you know, people always want something to do. They want something to interact with um, and they want to do it in a fun way at the end of the day. And, you know, the developers are going to find a way of doing that, whether it's, uh, you know, voice devices like Alexa and, you know, Google <laughs> home devices, uh, whether it's, you know, new sort of eyewear with, from Facebook, um, you know, VR, um, or, you know, even sort of, you know, AR technologies as well, using phone um, and so on. Um, I think people are always going to find ways to develop fun games, you know, for them. Um, and I think that's the best way for new technologies as well to be adopted. Um, you know, one of the first things people did, you know, developers did at the beginning when, you know, computers were starting to become mainstream. Um, you know, gaming was one of the first things that people wanted to, I guess, expand their knowledge with and, you know, get out there to the to the wider masses. Um, and it was that sort of uh, uptake of gaming that, you know, really sort of kick-started um, the computer industry in general, really. Um, and you see exactly the same thing, you know, with mobile devices. And you're going to say to see the same thing with the next big, you know, device innovation, I think, um, in my opinion, that it's going to be games that are going to be the driver um, of the... Uh, I guess, the public uptake um, of, you know, that next device. Um, And it's then where sort of the utility apps and, you know, the everyday life apps start to become um, part of them technologies and part of them devices as well. And once the games have kind of, I guess, kick-started the industry around it and the ecosystem around it. So, yeah, I I think game developers in general and just the gaming industry is, you know, now that sort of... uh, that innovator to, you know, take new technologies, see what can be done with it um, and then see if it can actually be something that's commercially viable within the market. Um, And once it's kind of been proven, I think with games themselves that, you know, it can scale and, you know, technology can be commercially viable, then that just opens it up for the wider market. Um, And that's when everyone starts flooding in and, you know, you end up with an ecosystem like iOS and Google play and, you know, the wider mobile industry where, anybody can get involved and, you know, it truly is a global market that, you know, everybody can connect with, um, connect together with and, uh, you know, share within as well. So yeah, no, it's, it's an interesting thing. And I, I really think that it's going to be game developers and games in general that are going to drive 
that next innovation. Um, and as you said, you know, Steve Jobs never really wanted, I think, the iPhone to be a gaming device. But, you know, lo and behold, we are where we are right now. Um, and I think that just shows really sort of, the, you know, the natural evolution of technology itself. And people always want to going to want to do something stupid with the latest piece of technology. And um, that's just kind of how, you know, I think developers are in general. They're always trying to find a new way to do something silly and, you know, really kind of push the limits with technology. Um, and I think it's that sort of fun side and that kind of almost hacker mentality as well that really helps to drive forward um, devices and uh, drive them into the mainstream. So, yeah, I, I think gaming itself has one of the biggest parts to play. Um, you see it with electric cars, you know, Tesla having games within uh, within the car itself. I mean, there's no need for it. Uh, but this happened there, I think, is just, you know, a nice quirk to have and shows that even in uh, the car itself, <laughs> games still have a place, although it might not be the safest. So I won't condone anyone playing games whilst driving. So, yeah, <laughs> just a, a little little legal thing, you know. Not, I never told anyone to play games whilst driving. Unless you're in the backseat, then, you know, go ahead, grab your mobile and do what you want. Right. It's definitely a very forward thinking um, <clears throat> for use cases like, like Tesla's and stuff. I, I think it's very... They're they're banking on autonomous cars, so like they're thinking the vehicle is just like a transporting ve- transport yeah. vehicle, and no one's really driving anymore, and it's just a, a way for, for family activity or something. I don't know, but like yeah. it, it comes back to the point of where I, I feel like there is like a slight division with the the game industry ever since the iPhone kind of came out, right? I feel like there's been um, like a split between uh, old developers which are more console focused <clears throat> uh, that are still on its way triple a and now they're calling quad a and going crazier that way uh, and in a lot of cases very unsustainable and then out of the birth of the iphone this this new part of the industry kind of took a life in its own and each i i've, I've done both I, i've worked at a mobile company i've worked mm-hmm. at triple a mostly but <clears throat> each, each each part of the crowd kind of like um I think they're better than the other, <laughs> which is hilarious. <laughs> um, uh, you know, obviously there's the allure of AAA, so uh, you know it feels like because they're dealing with more that they know more. But then with the mobile market, yeah, uh, you know, you guys deal with data all the time, so it's very profit conscious, and mm-hmm. uh, I would say uh, monetarily responsible, more responsible. <laughs> Uh, where yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 treat it like an entertainment product. I, I feel like in AAA space, they forget because of the art of it um, that yeah. is at the end a product that needs to be sold, and which you know, which is part of the reason why they they get into trouble mm-hmm. a lot <laughs> when it's over budget. Um, <laughs> yeah, but like, what's funny though, like the innovations that have been happening, I would say the last decade or more have been because of the things that you were talking about, like the non-traditional gaming companies like Apple, like Facebook. Uh, well, mm-hmm. Google has Stadia, but, you know, they're probably trying yeah, other ways. <laughs> we, got, we got Amazon, right? They're still trucking along. Um, but, yeah, the, yeah. The, next, the next evolution, I feel, will be from these non-gaming companies that are... Mm-hmm taking the best from the game industry, which is profit conscious uh, at the end, you know, mm-hmm. quarterly earnings are important. Daily revenue is important. Uh, but then combining yeah. that with the high fidelity, high quality of AAA that everyone loves and, and wants and needs. Right. Um, I guess my question to you is that with this, conscious effort from these non-game companies like going pretty all in in a lot of cases Mm -hmm. we're we're seeing facebook with vr and how even apple sees them as a threat because they're afraid that it's going to be more immersive more entertaining where you know playing on the flat screen would be too boring right so from what we hear you know they're working on their own ar capabilities right yeah 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 um, I would love to kind of hear more of your insight about these non-game companies becoming slowly the leaders um, of of our industry. Yeah, I mean, 
you know, for people like, you know, like Facebook and I guess flight dance, you know, you see with Tencent as well. I'm, I mean, they're not quite a non-gaming company, I guess, but these big giants, you know, tech companies um, you see in the industry. I mean, from my perspective, and I expect business angle as well, is you need to follow the user attention and you need to be, you know, forward thinking on where the user's attention is going to be next. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, everybody loves playing games. It doesn't really matter too much, you know, as, as has been proven over the years, you know, everyone's, you know, at first it's, you know, it's a child's sort of toy, you know, gaming and, you know, you're not going to see adults playing that. And, you know, we, we know what the market's like right now. And, you know, it is adults mostly playing games and, you know, sitting there spending their evenings, uh, you know, either on the console, on your Xbox or PlayStation or PC, you know, playing AAA titles or, you know, most people going to work or, you know, it's sitting on the, at their desk uh, playing on their mobile and so on. Um, so I think it's really trying to, you know, for their perspective, trying to find where the next big area is of uh, user attention and then following that. Um, and that's why, you know, you mentioned Facebook with, you know, obviously the VR and move into that. Um, but you're also seeing a big push from from them now with Facebook gaming, um, not just for the streaming side of things, but you know also their instant gaming platform and their cloud gaming platform as well, where they're trying to you know really make games accessible within the Facebook platform as a whole because they know that people want to watch gamers, you know they want to play games themselves, and they want to make sure that Facebook is at least a consideration to be a destination for them to play. Um, and, you know, that's really where I see the battle starting to take place. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier, with sort of the fragmentation of the market, in a sense, with the device manufacturers now starting to you know, move away from being reliant on Google Play um, and starting to build out their own ecosystems and so on, um, you know, that next sort of, I guess, battle that I see is, you know, these big guys and I'd say tech companies rather than gaming companies are, you know, building out, I think, the next sort of wave of where people are going to be spending their attention and then fighting for people's attention at the end of the day um, because, you know, it's attention from people that, you know, sells games, it sells apps, it sells devices, um, it sells advertising space, you know, ads are useless if nobody's actually watching them um, and paying attention to the screen that they're being displayed on. So, yeah, I, 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 myself, I think it's, again, a, a natural sort of progression, I think, of the tech industry in general. Um, it's why you see a lot of, uh, you know, the big giants within gaming and within tech sort of consolidating and, you know, basically buying up what they see as the, I guess, the next best or the next biggest uh, platform or, you know, big innovation to uh, really help bolster their offering to uh, the next wave of users that are out there um, and make sure that the users are, I guess, in a position to pay attention on their devices that they control and they're the ones that can actually then control the, the cash that's flowing through it as well at the end of the day and that's where they make their money. So, yeah, no, it's, it's definitely an interesting, I guess, discussion piece and I think you're going to see these non-gaming companies just really become more and more of a gaming company, to be fair. You know, they're going to be... I think every company in general is going to have to sort of become a media company in a sense. Um, you know, that's the way that you really sort of market in this day and age and you market your products. Um, and I think as you see the same for tech companies as well. You know, they're going to have to in some way, shape or form um, become gaming companies as well. Um, be that them themselves actually creating content, you know, for example, with Netflix and they're leveraging their IP to, you know, bring games to their platform and, again, you know, try and keep the user's attention within Netflix itself um, or being able to provide the tools, um, the users um, and the, the platform and ecosystem as a whole to allow, uh, you know, third-party developers uh, such as, you know, ourselves to actually develop games and launch them to the masses that are out there and, you know, do that in a commercially viable way as well. Um, so people can keep up in the game and keep increasing the, uh, the overall quality of their games as well. And, you know, that's why you're seeing AAA games getting just better and better, as you said, so, you know, as the months and the years go on. Um, but that's why you're seeing the same thing as well in mobile where, you know, there is much more, um, 
of a move these days, I'd say, towards console quality mobile games, um, where people are starting to take you know that device and that screen a little bit more seriously, and you know you can see that from uh, some of the quality games you get on Apple Arcade and you know on the devices in general. So yeah, it's a I wouldn't compare console and mobile. I, you know I wouldn't compare the different sort of types of technology and platforms that are out there too much. Um, a lot of them you know doing different things for different people and for different audiences, um, but all of them do definitely have a place and. I think that goes back to what you said at the beginning and why, you know, the gaming industry itself as a whole, you know, still has so much more potential and so much growth within it because it's something that everybody loves to do globally. It's everybody wants to do globally. Um, and that's why, you know, I think there's just a lot more to come and, you know, lots, a lot more greater things to come as well from just game developers and the game industry as a whole. Yeah, it's a, it's a definitely um, a huge industry that's growing in, uh, and there's so many different ways to do it now. The the main thing, and I I really do think mobile and and AAA is gonna, it's already merging. Like it's it's just becoming. <laughs> where do you want to play it? You can be on your phone. Uh, you can be on your couch. Yeah. Here's the content, right? And uh, that's the next point of <laughs> that I want to talk to you about. Like you mentioned Netflix, right? For for a long time, yeah. everybody have been kind of coining the term of you know, I we, Microsoft's trying to be the Netflix of gaming. Uh, Google at one point wanted to be the Netflix of gaming, which is the subscription streaming ma- platform for games. Basically, you pay for a monthly yeah. subscription and then <clears throat> be able to play as much content as you want. To the point where Netflix is like, hey, we are Netflix and we are going to make <laughs> games, right? So, like, we'll be Netflix. Yeah. Uh, so, when things naturally get better, file size, which is one of mobile strength and limitations, really, right? <clears throat> have yeah. always been an issue. Um, AAA file size have ballooned up to, like... 200 gigs for downloads now uh from yeah, day yeah. one right so for both spaces that is uh an issue that always been a problem um streaming have kind of been uh started in the last few years uh, of the conversation to hopefully battle this problem um i think it's it's not here yet there's uh there's people ready uh i think the technology is almost there but like as we can see with Stadia, not a lot of people want to invest too much yet, right? There's, it's going to be a slow process. I would love to hear, kind of hear what your thoughts about you know the whole streaming aspect, how that um, helps with the further merging of these different industries, a uh, different part of the industries, um, yeah, and uh, and even with the subscription models that Apple, Google everybody's kind of rolling out in, in terms of like one 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 fee and and you know you can play all this content mm-hmm. basically yeah i mean um I, I kind of agree with you know what you said there to be fair and you know there definitely is you know the merging as you said of you know mobile space to triple a space um just over the you know last good few years you know you can kind of see that I mean, the quality of the games from mobile, you know, the people working on the different platforms as well. Um, cloud gaming as well, I kind of agree. It's definitely, you know, not here, you know, game streaming, I don't think yet. And I, I think it's a way off at the moment. Um, you know, not talking decades, you know, I think for it to be something mainstream, you know, maybe sort of another maybe three to five years, you know, like my personal opinion, um, just because, you know, there are limitations, um, I think, in more so sort of, you know, it's, it's not sort of, as you said, it's, it's trying to somewhat fix the file size um, problem in a sense, you know, but yeah, the actual data side of things and, you know, being able to reliably have people on good internet connections, uh, you know, good sort of uh, data um, processing and stuff. I, I think that's really what sort of the stopper is at the moment. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it definitely is... <laughs> <laughs> Elon Musk gonna, is gonna solve it. Starlink gaming. Elon Musk, yeah, he's going to solve everything. It's fine. We'll just we'll give him another ten years, and he's going to solve the gaming industry as well. So yeah. why not? He might as well. He's, he's solving everything else. It seems he's at the same game. time. So, so yeah, yeah, no, hundred percent. But <laughs> we don't know what he's working on. He only needs to fire out a tweet, and he can send the whole industry into meltdown or yeah. into an absolute boom, can't he? So we'll we'll see what he says tomorrow. Um, 
But yeah, you know, I, I definitely think, you know, with the advent of, you know, these new technologies, you know, with 5G becoming more and more, I guess, mainstream um, globally as well as time goes on. And, you know, for example, as you said, Starlink as well, um, coming, I guess, eventually out of sort of that beta phase and trying to become more mainstream globally. And, you know, many others, Amazon doing a similar thing as well. And, you know, within China, um, you know, other companies doing similar stuff as, you know, what SpaceX is doing, Elon Musk is doing. Um, it will become the norm, I think, of being able to, you know, stream games and, you know, services how I kind of see, you know, like PlayStation and Xbox, which are consoles, obviously, at the moment, and hardware, are going to, you're already seeing them sort of transition into just more service-based um, platforms, really, because, you know, they kind of can see the future in that sense, and it's going to become less of a hardware future and more of a, a service future. And, you know, it's going to be trying to get people to subscribe to you know xbox and you know make sure that they're the ones that have got the best content um, and the best service available for gamers to you know play the games that they want to on a daily basis and i think that's where you're going to start to see the battle um over you know so as i said you know five years plus um start to really uh occur and it's going to be less of a you know, as you see in mobile, less of a manufacturer sort of war um, on the latest devices and more of an ecosystem war where you know people are wanting to get the latest they're wanting to get them games first or exclusively um, to make their not just devices but their whole ecosystem and their service the one that users want to join and be a part of to get the games that uh, you know they want to play. So that, you know that comes back to I think to where I see this technology, you know, cloud gaming, uh, streaming services, um, but just in general, um, the whole way the market I see sort of moving at the moment is really sort of democratizing the industry a little bit more. And it's, you know, taking away the power from a few sort of major players. Um, and I guess there's still going to be a lot of major players, but it's putting it into the hands of more major players um, out there, which is giving, you know, the industry and giving developers a bit more choice um, and a little bit more bargaining power to make sure that they're getting the best for them and, you know, for the work that they're producing. So, yeah, I've, I've, that's at the beginning. I've, I think I agree. It's, it's definitely going to be a way off um, before we see streaming games becoming the absolute norm that everybody does. Um, I think you need to find the right business model as well. It, you know, it works at the moment, um, but, you know, is it going to work at sort of, proper scale industry-wide where there's enough, you know, to, to sort of make from streaming itself to make it commercially viable. You see a similar thing in music, for example, um, you know, what artists make off Spotify is kind of negligible. It's more now of a, a marketing tool to try and push people into where they're making their real money, which is now back to kind of the good old days of, you know, live concerts and stuff. Um, and I see, you know, a similar thing potentially happening with games, which, doesn't really work in the same way because you don't really have that apart from, you know, the esport tournaments and stuff. You don't really have that other way to generate, you know, real significant income outside of the streaming services. So I think the business model at the moment works for the current sort of state of the, you know, streaming industry for gaming. Um, but I think at scale, it kind of, it, I think it will fail at scale. Um, and there needs to be a way to, really make it work for the masses uh, to really bring the content, you know, to the masses as well, as, you know, we see at the moment on the app store, um, on consoles and other platforms that exist out there. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess one of the most um, pending issue with the being a small developer or an indie developer is the amount of content right uh that that's being spun out every 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 day every week every every month right and mobile even crazier uh just to kind of be um apart from the crowd of new releases uh that, that's happening um and this is kind of just kind of closed the loop on the the streaming thing one of the false or maybe true i don't know one of the speculative things about the streaming uh, aspect of it is that because these major players are needing so much content that this may help a lot of content makers and solve finally this issue of uh, we have so many games that are coming out now it has a place um, but like you said like Spotify a lot of music there and a lot of artists are, are kind of 
accepting the fact that it's more marketing than the actual mm-hmm. revenue stream. Um, is that is that I'm getting the sense that you're leaning more towards that that it's going to be more for marketing if you are being tagged by Microsoft or Sony to join their 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 their, their, their uh, subscription model that you're not going to really see you know a huge <laughs> boost in revenue really it's more more like experience. yeah I mean that's it's hard to not see it like that because if you look at you know obviously the prices that you pay as a consumer for the streaming services um, and then you know kind of just say, for example, you would play, you know, 10, 15 games a month and, you know, that money you're paying on a monthly basis, just say you're paying $15 and a, a dollar, just out of simplicity's sake, is going to each of them game, you know, developers. I mean, that's a dollar a month. You know, you're going to be needing to get, you know, millions of streamers a month to make, I guess, a business that is on par with what you see in the mobile space and, you know, the, the console space at the moment, yeah. um, which, you know, is definitely possible, of course, but, you know, that's a very simplistic way of looking how it works at the moment. You know, there's obviously a lot more fees involved, you know, the platform fees. There's still going to be marketing, you know, costs involved as well to uh, actually bring your game, especially once, you know, more and more content does get onto this, onto these platforms. It's going to end up like the app stores where, you know, as you said just then, there's, you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions, you know, of games um, on these stores uh, globally. And you've got to kind of fight your way through them. And, you know, if you've got all of these extra costs involved and, you know, there's all these different streaming platforms as well, which are developing and, you know, each of them are going to have their own wars on costs as well to get as many users as possible into their platform. You know, eventually for gaming itself, in, in my opinion, it, it, it kind of breaks down at scale. Um, and, you know, there, there is going to be sort of that fine like equilibrium where it's going to work. Um, but I don't see it working for the majority because if you do get to a point where, the revenue sort of, I guess, on a per user or per gameplay or session basis doesn't really make it a viable business, then, you know, it becomes a platform like Spotify, for example, where it is more of a marketing tool. But for musicians, it's like a marketing tool to upsell to the concert and, you know, get them big ticket sales, basically. Um, But where do you go as a game developer? What do you upsell them from? you know, Sony streaming service to your own streaming service. And, you know, how many streaming services then is it going to be? Is, you know, is every game then a streaming service? Um, it's, it's, it's kind of a funny one. You know, maybe it can move to, you know, with the blockchain and, you know, with NFTs and stuff, you know, you might start to see a model where as you are in sort of e-commerce, it's um, kind of a direct-to-consumer model um, where, you know, publishers are not really needed and you kind of let people fight it out and the best content and the best games win. Um, And they just leverage, you know, more sort of back-end services, you know, potentially like Facebook or, you know, AWS and Amazon stuff where, you know, users can log in with social media and, you know, the actual back end of the games themselves is run, you know, in the cloud to enable that streaming process. Um, But in the end, there's no kind of centralised up it's more of a you know go to the website and play a game for example no matter what you know device you're on um so yeah i mean there's there's lots of different things that's just popping into my head sort of right now of where i could see you know this side of the industry going but i think how it currently works right now works for right now um but as you kind of see things scale up in the coming you know year uh you know two three four five plus years um it's kind of become an unscalable model and something somewhere needs to have, I guess, some sort of innovation to really make it a commercially viable business opportunity. Because at the end of the day, you know, as much as we love making games and, you know, you can it as well, especially in AAA side, you know, it is an art form in a sense. It really is. Um, and that's, you know, a great thing. It's one of the reasons why, you know, I love the, the industry as a whole. Um, but, at the core of it, it's still a business and, uh, you know, people can't, I guess, paint pictures and, you know, generate art if they're not getting paid for it. You know, you have to live still at the end of the day. Um, and if it's getting to a point where, you know, you're scraping by on pennies uh, from streaming services, then, you know, the content's going to suffer from that. And, you know, that's where I, I can't see the industry going to a point where that is the case. You know, there's going to be something somewhere where it opens up for everybody 
but in a way that can be profitable for you know the best and for the best games to shine and get to the users. Yeah, like um, there's a few points I, I kind of want to comment on. Like uh, the, the the advantages and disadvantages of games is it sometimes can take it takes longer than other mediums to consume, right? Obviously, I think mm-hmm. the mobile again in this space is doing really well because they are very conscious of you know commuting times and you know one to five minute experiences that are whole that the people can just get in and get out um you know console there's there's some of that right um with one reasons why i like multiplayer shooters because i don't need to uh have a lot of uh build up time to get into the universe and get out i just play a few rounds and get out get out in that way yeah uh, with movies and, and and music, right? There's a very defined format. It's like 30 minutes for shows, two hours for movies, uh, music uh-huh. even way less, like five minutes, three minutes, or right for radio or whatever. It's a science in, in that regard, and I think the mobile space is closest to that. Uh, and uh, because of that, they're they're uh, consumers can consume way more varieties of content and. Uh, in that way, streaming works really well uh, because uh, it just works, right? Yeah. And uh, the 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 thing that I'm always um, uncomfortable with is that how Netflix and uh, all these other streaming services for other entertainment mediums uh, somewhat Netflix especially somewhat takes care of the creators, right? There's like an upfront pay make the content and maybe hopefully that's where we're heading with the streaming. That's my, you know, silver lining that I hope we get to where subscription services are so competitive where they're looking to at the very beginning to create, uh, get a creator to create content exclusively for their platform. And then the money is there, right? You don't have to be a starving artist and hope and pray. Um, what I'm getting at is that with, with games, the only thing I feel like we have an advantage of that we figured out and it is pretty exclusive to us is, uh, <laughs> which is kind of a space that um, mobile does really well, but kind of started with the, you know, console space, which is, um, you know, downloadable content, right? In-game assets, digitization, um, or, or, or um, what do they call it? You know, free to play, right? These things yeah. that basically have in in-game revenue systems which is the reason why apple's mad at everybody right <laughs> yeah that is able to provide ongoing streams revenue streams as a possible upsell is kind of what you were uh, talking about like, that's the mm-hmm. only card that we have i feel over the other entertainment stuff um i don't know how that will play if you are a part of a subscription I mean, I guess Apple is letting that happen now where you can have your in-game currency where they don't have, they can't tax you 30%. I forget like the result of that. But um, it is the only thing I feel like we have that mobile, you guys in mobile do really well that that consoles are are finally realizing and and learning to do. And um, yeah. How do you feel that that part of the system, which is a huge part for for every mobile game, basically, yeah. and starting to be a big part for mostly all console games, where it's not like a pack pack and go, buy one and never see you again. It's like how do we sustain this consumer mm-hmm. for basically as long as we can to be in this universe uh, that we created? Yeah, yeah, percent. I mean, yeah, microtransactions are you know are proven, as you said, on mobile to be you know a very successful business model, and you know consoles pick that up and run with it really, and it's now becoming you know the norm. I mean, microtransactions with streaming itself, yes, I can kind of see what you're getting at with it being sort of that upsell piece um, for developers to you know get more revenue basically from their games and from their users. I guess from a consumer perspective, you know, it's like kind of going to Netflix and then paying, you know, $14.99 a month, but then still seeing ads, for example. Um, 
you know, for me, that I'd cancel my subscription. <laughs> it's just like, look, I'm paying you 15 quid a month. Yeah. You know, you got it from the end consumer perspective. They, you know, most people, you know, don't particularly care. Like the general masses don't particularly care what, you know, who's making the games in most cases. You know, if you ask most people, you know, Candy Crush, you know, who actually made it and who are the people behind it, you know, no people. Most people probably won't know. Um, they'll know it's King because of the splash thing at the beginning. But if you ask them properly who King is, you know, did you know who they're owned by and stuff, you know, people are not going to know and they're not going to care. And at the end of the day, you know, if they're playing that Fiverr, that tenor, for example, a month for Apple Arcade, you know, for uh, Netflix in the game in there or some to get games, you know, extra on Disney Plus or whatever streaming services you're on, I can't see people really being massive fans of then, you know, a game going, oh, we've got a brand new, you know, piece of DLC, but it's going to cost you another tenner to be able to activate that within the game. Um, you know, maybe I'm wrong. You know, then people do crazy things. So I guess it could well work very, very well. Um, and if it does, then yeah, I can see that being, you know, a great piece um, of the puzzle that's needed to be able to make uh, streaming work at scale. Um, but in general, I just don't know if it will kind of fly on the consumer level. Um, but yeah, you know, microtransactions, I think just as a whole, um, I don't see the bad sort of point and the bad place for them within games, as long as it's designed well. Um, and that's where I think a lot of the trouble kind of is with microtransactions because, you know, there is a lot of games that do do it poorly. Um, and it's that poor implementation where it becomes pay to win, for example, or, you know, does kind of, I guess, prey on you know, the bad parts of human nature, basically, that get people addicted to, you know, making and spending crazy amounts of money on games that, you know, they don't have at the end of the day. Um, you know, I think that's sort of like predatory nature that's, you know, some studios and stuff do deploy. Um, it's not illegal, so go for it. Um, I don't think it's the most moral thing. Um, but, yeah, in general, I don't think microtransactions are a bad thing. If people want free content that they can pay for free, then you know somebody somewhere has to pay for something that is for free. Um, and you know, with Facebook, you pay with your data, as you do with many platforms uh, this day and age. And with games, you know, if you want to get that extra uh, piece of you know DLC or that extra item in the game, then you have to pay with it, either with hard cash to get the in-game currency or, you know, with your time to watch incentivized ads and stuff like that. So yeah, I, I don't see it as a bad thing as the industry. And I think it's just, it is pretty much the norm already. It's not going to develop into the norm. I think that is literally the norm for both console, mobile and PC games. So yeah, I, I think it's a good thing for the industry and it's helping the industry grow. Um, and I think it's a good thing from the consumers as well, as long as it, you know, is done properly, I guess. And I guess you're trying to, you can see that with some markets, you know, starting to regulate certain aspects. Um, I don't think regulation should be too heavy, to be honest, and kind of let the market, you know, go and do as it does. Um, but, you know, there is some areas where, you know, some regulation is needed to stop, I think, this sort of predatory behavior and stop people taking the mick, basically, and, you know, feeding off of uh, people's human nature <laughs> in some cases. Mm-hmm. I completely agree with you. I, I, I grew up in the um, PC market, right? So where everything used to be just free, <laughs> you know, extra content, modding, community, yeah. all that stuff. So I never bought yeah, any yeah. digital items ever. <laughs> like if I can't enjoy <laughs> it. So, yeah. So I'm already stuck in that. But obviously that that part of the industry completely <laughs> took off and is doing well, yeah. well, you know, doing really well without me. So obviously I think there's going to be <laughs> kind of people like us who are kind of stuck in the old ways and won't go with, with what's innovative, what's new in terms of like microtransactions to the next level of streaming. Right. Uh, but I, I'm just going to assume that there are going to be people who pays for a $15 subscription that would want another $10 yeah. addition to that. It's like Hulu plus HBO, right? Like who would pay yeah, for yeah. this? <laughs> but I guess people do, but that's just yeah. not me. Right. So I'm just, yeah. I'm just, what I'm hoping the streaming will do is solve a lot of the issues that I'm seeing where there's so much content right now. And only a few of those 
um, make it to market or in, in, in front of a paying crowd. And I hope streaming because mm-hmm. their inherent issue is not enough content uh, that they're trying to solve all the time that naturally maybe this will fix the best of both worlds and just get a lot of content and a lot of the developers paid out of the gate. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I can definitely see it, you know, working and uh, I, th- I think the fact that, you know, you see Netflix getting into gaming and, you know, it's only the sort of beginning phases there. And I think, you know, having that sort of merged streaming platform. So, you know, I, like Disney, for example, it's, they own so much IP, it'd almost be stupid for them to not follow suit um, and start leveraging that as well. Um, you know, Amazon and Prime, you know, they have the, the ecosystem and the infrastructure to really, you know, take vid- Prime for video and have, you know, gaming as just an extension to that Prime subscription. Um, so I, I think streaming platforms in general, I, I, I don't think they're going to develop into dedicated streaming platforms. I think they're going to be become part of a wider sort of ecosystem. Right. And, you know, if you're paying 15, you know, $20, you know, 20 quid a month, for example, you know, you're getting, you know, your, your TV shows, your films and gaming thrown into that. And then I can see at that point where microtransactions would, you know, probably have a bit of a backlash at the beginning, but would eventually then become just kind of the mainstream on these, uh, you know, streaming platforms as well, because it is an added value piece rather than it being, for example, an Apple Arcade, where it is a dedicated kind of gaming environment, you know, having to then pay for more within the games kind of feels defeating the object, basically, you know, of paying to stream these games in the first place. Whereas on something like Netflix or, you know, Disney Plus, paying extra to get, you know, that extra item or that new piece of, you know, content within the game, can start to make sense, I guess, um, at scale as well. But yeah, as you said, th- th- there's always people willing to pay no matter what. It's just making sure there's enough people that are willing to pay to make it, you know, a commercially viable, I guess, business for everybody involved. Yeah. I'm constantly in shock because my son is 11 and he plays Valorant, right? And just like most shooters, <laughs> they have cosmetic weapons <laughs> that you can buy every season, yeah, yeah. right? And every birthday, Christmas, is like, what do you want? He's like, I want this new knife. It's like, that's you you want nothing else? This is an in-game item. Yeah. You'll get bored of one day and you'll, yeah. you know, be a lost treasure, right? <laughs> it's I'm just yeah. very surprised. Well, I still maybe can't get on that wagon. Yeah. Yeah. But well, maybe the maybe the advent of NFTs is what's gonna change that. I know, and, uh, I you know. know right? that, that, that new knife, that new item that you do buy. You know, this it's gonna have some intrinsic value to it. So it won't just yeah. be a like- one of a kind <laughs> item. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. It's, it's that one piece that you actually do own and uh you know might be worth a bit of money. So as it as it was back in the day when you know you, your granddad or something would give you something you know, it'll be one day, one day where that'll be uh, you know, worth a little bit of money, and it turns out it was never worth any money at the end right. of it. But yeah, maybe the NFTs will fix that for everybody, and it that's won't be I'm a excited. wasted time. It'll be really a, excited. a good investment for everybody. Yeah, that's why I'm really excited about um, an Epic notices, right? Epic, maybe Facebook. They're it's all about the metaverse, right? And what yeah, they're yeah. trying to build, and they're trying to get ready player one if there's this one game that has everything uh then i can see the advantages of you know well nft will have an impact obviously immediately right with these little small pockets of different games but if there's that one game that everyone plays like fortnite epic um yeah. even epic uh, fortnite's fading they know that right but there one one day when there's like that ready player one game where everyone's consuming it on different platforms it's yeah. gonna be pretty pretty crazy <laughs> when people have that yeah, one, one in a lifetime it'll be a game changer yeah yeah no, definitely it'll be a game changer i don't think just for the industry but i think just for society in general <laughs> to be honest and uh I guess going back to the beginning, as we said, you know, with technology uptake and stuff within the, the whole, you know, wider, I guess, global market, um, it's games that are driving that. And, you know, as you just said, I've, I think it's going to take that, you know, that one game or at least that sort of one platform where, you know, games are sort of the main driver, I guess, of the platform um, to really, I guess, change how people 
do things just in general, you know, whether that's, the, you know, a greater uptake of, you know, cryptocurrencies, for example, and NFTs becoming the norm, streaming becoming the norm as well. Um, I think that's all out there and it's definitely how things, you know, where things are heading, um, how much time it will take. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, it, it could be five years, could be 10 plus. Uh, we'll see. It, it, I think it depends on what the powers that be uh, really want to, uh, you know, they'd like to squeeze every every drop of blood out of every stone that they possibly can. Um, and then they'll allow that new innovation to really sort of take hold. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see what the big players really want to do over the next few years. Um, and I think that will determine, you know, how streaming is kind of taken hold of and, you know, how all these next, you know, big things within the gaming industry and the wider tech industry are really sort of, uh, I guess, pushed into the norm and into society as a whole. Yeah. Well, I will say this about the tech giants. Every three months is a quarterly report, so they want those innovations <laughs> right now as soon as possible. Yeah. They want the innovation. Yeah. They want innovations that generate money at the yeah. end of the day, as you said. Exactly. So it's about them quarterly reports and, you know, they've got to hit them targets at the end of the day. So, uh, okay. yeah, an innovation that's, uh, you know, five years away from, from making money, you yeah. know, that becomes, R, that becomes R&D and they let their government, you know, let the local government uh, fund it for them <laughs> most of the time. That's how R&D usually works with the tax credits. So right. if anyone wonders how they pay such little tax, well, there you go. It's all about R&D. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, uh, uh, I want to thank you and congratulate you on surviving an hour on the podcast. We hit that mark. Uh, I want to thank you for coming on the show, for educating us and with your your insight in, in how mobile is kind of leading the way in, in a lot of ways. Um, and uh, this is the part where I kind of shut up. Uh, I want to hand the mic over to you to give attention to promote anything that you want, uh, any cause, any product uh go for it man well cheers you know i really appreciate your awareness and uh yeah no it's been a great hour i mean time's flying by so i've, I've really enjoyed uh, you know talking with you about tons of different areas and yeah i mean i can see the products you know that we're selling i guess in a sense is you know game bake and the distribution platform um but for me you know i think it's more important that we talk about you know just the wider industry and what's out there and you know what we're trying to do at game bake is I guess focused on mobile. So we're trying to educate the current mobile industry, which, you know, is iOS and Google play into the wider opportunities that, you know, do exist out there in the market um, with different Android platforms, but not just Android and mobile platforms, the different, you know, PC platforms, browser gaming platforms and instant gaming platforms that are out there. So more than anything, you know, I think the biggest sort of hopefully sort of takeaway that, you know, listeners can kind of take from this is, you know, really sort of look into uh, the wider market, look into, you know, as a developer, what different platforms uh, are available to you and, you know, what platforms might actually be a, a better stepping stone rather than jumping into, uh, you know, jumping into the sea with the sharks, uh, you know, on iOS and Google Play, trying to, to jump into, you know, maybe the lake instead um, and get a nice piece into it where it will allow you to then take that next step onto the bigger platforms. Um, so yeah, you know, for me, it's not just about selling, I guess, game bakers a product. you know, obviously we want as many people working with us as, as possible. Um, it's more exciting that way. Um, but in general, um, the more, you know, I guess I can do and the more, you know, we can do as game bake as well to, educate hopefully the industry as a whole and help actually propel and move the industry forwards um, even for uh, even further and grow it um, it's going to be you know beneficial I guess for us you know obviously as a company but you know hopefully beneficial for many more people out there so yeah feel free to drop me a line you know uh, have a chat anytime you know about I guess the wider opportunities that exist out there and you know hopefully from this conversation we've had and uh everything else I'm kind of talking about on LinkedIn and, you know, other social media and so on as well. The big takeaway is, you know, take a look at the developing market and take a look at, you know, what opportunities do exist out there and, you know, don't be blinded by the big dollar signs that you see reported all the time on iOS and Google play. Um, they are few and far between, um, but start looking about the wider opportunities and um, that can help you get to them big, you know, dollar signs, I guess, at the end of it. And, help you to get your game in front of the, you know, hopefully hundreds of millions of users that exist out there um, who can enjoy your game and 
hopefully enjoy it for a very long time, whether they're downloading or whether they're streaming, you know, it doesn't really matter. Um, but yeah, I, I guess that's uh, the piece from me. Take a look and feel free to reach out if anyone you know wants to have a chat about the, the wider opportunities that do exist out there and how they can take advantage of them. Awesome. Uh, thanks, Mike, for coming on and really enjoyed talking with you. Uh, very educational as usual. And um, for, for anybody who wants to connect with Mike, uh, learn more about Game Bake, go ahead and, as usual, you can find it in the uh, episode description below. Uh, so that's pretty much it. I want to thank you, Mike, for coming Cheers. on. Welcome back anytime. Just let me know. But uh, see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you are liking the podcast, go to the Apple iTunes store and give Game Dev Unchained a five-star rating. This will help spread the joy and love and exposure for the podcast, and we thank you very much. If you want to continue the conversation, go to our Discord, which can be found on our website, www.gamedevunchained.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at BlueChamps, B-L-U-C-H-A-M-P-S. You want to catch these episodes live every Tuesdays and Thursdays, go to twitch.tv forward slash blue underscore champs. Email me any of your concerns or questions that you want me to read aloud at the beginning of each episode at info at gamedevunchained.com. And if you want to further support us and help unlock the next feature, which is the voicemail feature, go to patreon.com forward slash blue champs this gives listeners a chance to kind of call in leave a message for both me and the guests to answer your deepest darkest questions and comment on your deepest darkest secrets thank you everybody